And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray, along with Roger Lesby. Roger. Hey, John. Good morning. You're, you, you're looking so fit after taking a little time off from, <laughs> from tax season, because the last time I saw you, you were headed out for a little R&R, well-deserved R&R. Yeah, I think that was uh, April 16th date, and yep. I was headed back down to Naples, Florida, where mm-hmm. the weather was nice. That's great. That's great. A good time to go before school's out, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you've got it figured out, man. So y- you've brought a colleague from Frazier and Dieter. Why don't you introduce her? Well, we have Dr. Scott Ballard with us today. Scott, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. And uh, maybe tell our audience a little bit about your new position and, uh, and the influence that you guys are making up here in our communities. Yeah, I'm, um, I've been with Northside Anesthesiology Consultants for this July. will be 25 years. And um, in January, I got voted to be the chairman uh, of our group. We have about 75 doctors by the end of the summer about 180 or so employees, and uh, we staffed the three Northside hospitals in Sandy Springs, uh, Forsyth, and Cherokee, as well as multiple outpatient surgery centers. So let's let's get back to the beginning, though, uh, Scott. I'm I'm interested. I'm always interested in where somebody came from, and kind of what what your what were the passions that you had that got you into this field. Well, I was born in Atlanta, so I grew up in the south side of Atlanta, um, went to school here. Um, probably starting in eighth grade, I wanted to be a dentist. So I went to Emory undergrad for to go to dental school. And my junior year, it's kind of weird, I had three roommates who were all going to pre-med, and Emory decided to close the dental school. So it made me nervous that dentistry was going away, which it obviously didn't. So um, they said, well, you should just, just go to medical school. So one Saturday, I took the dental school test, and the next Saturday, I took the MCAT for medical school and said, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. And so I ended up going to Emory for medical school, and then um, I liked doing procedures, but I liked having a family life, so anesthesiology at the time seemed to be best suited for my needs and what I wanted, so I chose anesthesia as a career path. Oh, cool. So now – just like every medical field, every medical specialty maybe is the way to say it, a lot of changes in anesthesiology. My mom was a nurse in anesthesiology. I can't imagine what it was like with her versus <laughs> what you're dealing with today. Talk about some of those changes over the, over the years. Yeah, it's just um, it's gotten pretty complex as far as uh, dealing with the government and um, the Medicare and Medicaid and CMS requirements. Um, there's a lot of compliance issues, and um, you know, we're, we were just in Washington D.C. last week for a legislative conference. We're advocating for our specialty, and um, you know, there's always something. Yeah. You know, and one of the guys uh, at the conference said, "If you're not at the table, you're on the menu." And I thought I kind of took that to heart. And so, you know, you see people walking around Washington like all day, every day, and there, there's always an ask of the politicians and we try not to ask. We try to just make them aware of our issues. And, you know, there's challenges in rural areas versus urban areas, and we're trying to just make it where access for rural populations are equal to the access for people in the big cities. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, I think that's an important issue across all medical uh, 
uh, specialties and, and uh, access certainly is a question. It's particularly here in Georgia, right? I mean, in terms of Atlanta versus the rest of Georgia. Yeah, there's some hospitals. Um, there's like 11 hospitals in rural parts of Georgia that um, it's hard to get doctors to go there because there's not enough volume and the payer mix is kind of poor. So let's just say that if you wanted to go back and practice with your father, that, you know, because the the payer mix and the lack of density, it's hard to be able to support a family because our payer, our government reimbursement rate in our field is about a third of what the other specialties are. So, like, we get about 33% of commercial insurance versus other specialties, which is like 75 to 80%. So that's one of our asks of the government every year is to make us on par with other specialties. And um, it's just, you know, it's with a budget that CMS has, it's, it's hard for them to – we kind of got – out of alignment when they serve in probably the nineties and it just hadn't been fixed since then. So that's one of our asks every year. We're speaking with Scott Ballard and Scott is the uh, chairman of Northside anesthesiology consultants, CMS. Uh, talk about what that is for those that don't know that term. Let's right, CMS. That. I'm not sure what it stands for, but okay. it's the branch of the government that runs healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid. Okay. And that sets reimbursement rates. Sets reimbursement rates, yes. Okay, so I know I'm asking you a question you really don't know the answer to, which is not fair, but why is it that anesthesiologists gets, get whacked at 33% versus everybody else at 75 That doesn't make any sense. You know, I should know the answer because I advocate every year. It was something in the wording from the early 90s, yeah. and it was I was, not a, I was still a resident then, so I'm not sure, and – it's, it just baffles our specialty, and, you know, the government just doesn't seem to understand it, but um, we're hoping at some point we can break through. You know, we, we talk about it every year. But, Scott, you guys are now one of the largest anesthesiology groups in the country, so congratulations there. Thank you. But I guess the trends that I've seen in the last 10 years were a lot of mergers now with the hospitals, and then, of course, the, uh, the individual groups, the doctor groups, all being purchased uh, at some point in time. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we, um, we partnered with a corporate partner in late 2015 out of South Florida. Um, and mainly for a logistical compliance reason you know just a lot of the government requirements now physicians it's just easier like before we had a compliance department of one person and now there's a whole compliance floor at in south florida at our headquarters um a lot of the, we have an exclusive contract with northside so we do all, we provide all the anesthesia services for so we're not employed by northside uh, a lot of the, the northside does employ hundreds of physicians and uh, it's a trend that, when I came out, was didn't exist. Right. And you know, now most uh, residents coming out expect to be employed. You know, there's not many you know mom and pop type practices anymore. And a lot of it has to do with just like um, easy um, dealing with bureaucracy. So. 
a question on that. So the compliance relates to what, insurance, or is it something beyond that? No, just it's not insurance per se. It's like just the regulations that the government requires for physicians as far as like coding and documenting and uh, supervising and all that stuff. It's just and billing and it's just so it's gotten so cumbersome and complicated that it's just easier to have staff do that stuff and then you practice medicine. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. But and some of that has to do with insurance, some not, yeah. right? So yes, the co- sure. the coding and the billing and that kind of thing certainly is insurance or and reimbursement related, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. And then how about the uh the recruitment, the continued recruitment of talent uh that 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 everybody's looking for? Uh, how has that changed over the years? Uh, we have a guy in our group who does an unbelievable job recruiting for us, and, and a lot of it has to do with social media, and I'm not good at social media at all, and our our physician that does that is, and um, I think part of this is being an attractive practice and uh, being a secure practice, and we are very secure in that Northside's a brand in Atlanta, and it's not going anywhere, and people know that that they come to work here, the job's good, and uh, our relationship with the hospital and the you know the C suite is fantastic, and we work on that monthly, and so we had we try to have a culture where we work where it's stressful because of the nature of the business, but it's very collegial and we treat people fairly, and so. We have a brand that's out there, and so we're able to attract the best of the best. Yeah, plus they'd be coming to Atlanta, so that helps a lot. you got a great city. I mean, it certainly helps our firm from right. a recruiting standpoint. Great city, and you know, and because we have the three different hospitals, there's a broad market of where you could live. Right. And because um, not everybody wants to be in Buckhead, not everybody wants to be in Cumming, not everybody wants to be in Woodstock. So I think that helps kind of – you can have the rural or the urban feel. And then how about state of Georgia? What changes could the state of Georgia make that would help you guys, especially when they look at uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, exemption waivers, all the changes that are going in health care and insurance coverage? Yeah, I mean, I think just the, um, you know, like I said, the 33% uh, reimbursement rate from the government payers, if that were to go up to, you know, with the other professions are paid, I think that would be a huge hit home run, I should say, for our, our yeah, field. Yeah, for your group. Yeah. Okay. And then you're a new Mil- a new resident of Milton? Yeah, we uh, we did the downsize thing back in December. We sold our house in Sandy Springs and bought a house um, in downtown Alpharetta, um, moved in mid-December right before Christmas, so it was kind of crazy time. We didn't do Christmas cards for the first time ever. But uh, we love it. We can walk to restaurants, and, um, you know, so it's um, – it's been a home run for us. Well, good. That's great. We're speaking with Scott Ballard, and Scott is the chairman of Northside Anesthesiology Consultants. I want to get back just a moment to the recruiting issue because I, I've read, and I'm curious if this is your experience, I've read that uh, millennials that are coming out of med- medical school now are more interested in employment versus entrepreneurship. And so that's kind of what, that's part of what's driving this trend that we see in, in 
uh, corporate-owned practices, for lack of a better term. Is that something that resonates with y'all, with your experience, or? Uh, not so much that, because when you join an anesthesia group, you're kind of joining a practice, if you will. You don't start an anesthesia practice per se. Mm-hmm. But what we do notice is that they, uh, the millennial age, and I'm not cutting down any of my colleagues, but they tend to want to have a little bit more set schedule. Whereas in the old days, you know, you kind of work till you were. Till you drop. Yeah, till you drop. <laughs> and so, and, and I, they're probably not a bad idea, you know, to have a little bit more life work balance. Right. So I'm not critical of it. It's just a little bit different mindset than when I came out to start practice. Sure. Sure. Um, well, and part of it, I would think, has to do with uh, risk tolerance, right? I mean, it's it's a little riskier today to go into the medical field and go through all those years of training and very expensive education. And uh, uh, it's it's different than it was when you came out, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, a lot of the docs joining our group now have just unbelievable amount of debt. I mm. mean, it's crazy how expensive it is now to get to where we are in uh, our career. And then, you know, you always have the fear, like we say, every day you walk in, there's a snake somewhere, you know, <laughs> that you walk, you just never know what could happen. And you know, bad things happen, unfortunately. Right. Sure. And by debt, you're talking student loan debt. Student correct? loan debt, yeah. yeah. We actually talked to government last week because um, a lot of the student loans you have to start paying back while you're a resident. So you're making 35000 or whatever, and then um, you have to start paying back your debt during your residency. I remember when I was a resident, I would moonlight some on the weekend. I had some debt, and so I had to start paying it back. And so I would, like, moonlight on the weekend after working god knows how many hours during the week and so we talked to washington last week about a student loan deferment so you could defer your payments until you started working as a real for Mm -hmm. a real job yeah full time full time yeah yeah and it seems to me that they could easily uh decrease the interest rate that's kicking in on some of and that was our ask that was our ask yeah so in your new position as chairman what are some of the problem areas that you encounter other than having to deal with, uh, I guess, doctor issues day to day? I think uh, the, for me personally, the, the biggest problem is that um, people outside my group don't know when I'm on vacation. So my phone rings no matter where I'm at or what time of day or what day of the week it is. Um, there's a lot of... Um, I'm still, I tell my wife, I'm still learning. I feel like, so things take me a little bit longer because I'm trying to do everything really well. And um, so there's just a learning curve, so it takes longer. There's a lot of administrative stuff to do because, you know, we're such an integral part of the running of the hospital and with the Joint Commission accreditation and just keeping the surgery schedule and the operating room staffed and efficient and all that. And so... Just a lot of meetings and um, administrative stuff that you're really not trained to do as, as an anesthesiologist. You have to kind of learn it by fire, if you will. Roger, I think his teeth kind of clench when you start talking about meetings. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, we're all tired of meetings. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And and so you, I, 
it, almost in a way, I mean, I say that it sounds like I'm making a joke, but in a way, I'm I'm not. I mean, in a way, you, it's kind of whoever draws the short straw, right, becomes that person, like that managing partner, that chairman in your case. That, That's been that, said to me multiple times. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But it's a, an essential part of what you're doing, and it, and it has to be somebody like you that has that experience that's been in the trenches yeah, that, we have that a, can make those calls, right? Yeah, we have an administrative board that kind of runs the business of the practice, and I was on the board early in my career, and then I was on the board the last couple of years. And so when the former chairman decided to step down, it kind of made sense that somebody from the board would step into the position. And so I I kind of always, in the back of my mind, wanted to be the man, so to speak. And so I volunteered to run for chairman. and was voted in by our group. And so it's a job I take seriously, and it's I feel like it's an honor to kind of serve our group sure. and work uh, with the hospital to make the patient care experience better. Absolutely. So how, how does your time work out then in terms of how much time you take in that role versus uh, quote-unquote practicing medicine like you did in the old days? So the group uh, affords me two days a week administrative time. Um, and so that's when I try to do most of the meetings and the, the leaderships uh, things that are required. Um, it could be a five-day-a-week job just because we're so busy and so big and there's so many different areas that we touch but I still I like doing the medicine better <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, prefer being in the operating room and practicing medicine as opposed to being in a boardroom sitting at a meeting but so it's a good balance I think the two days a week is sufficient sure so you're involved in some charity work right you want to talk about some of the things you're involved in af- out of outside of uh, your day-to-day work? Yeah. So um, probably about 2013 or 2014, I got involved with the, through a friend, um, a charity organization called FOCUS. It stands for Famous of Children Under Stress. And it's a nonprofit that provides um, activities and camps and things to do for family with Families with Medically Fragile Children. Great organization. It, it's probably touched me more than I've touched it. Uh, and then about a year and a half ago, we merged with um, Fragile Kids. So now it's called Focus and Fragile Kids. And Fragile Kids was a nonprofit that provides equipment. So now I kind of tell people it's like one-stop shopping. You know, you got camps, you got activities, and you got equipment. And so we have about a... I should know the number, probably a 14 or 15 person administrative board. And then there's the people that work there full time. And it's a, just a, it's just a fantastic organization. We had one of our employees who had a child that was a focus kid. And, um, we had a gala back in, um, we have our gala every year, like February, March. And we took one of our new neighbors from Alpharetta and they actually have a, a friend with a medically fragile daughter so we were able to somehow it was just kind of miraculous we were able to connect the two so um it's just been a it's a win-win the the people that work there are fantastic and that and the fam it just really helps the families and we provide an environment where families of similar similar difficulties can come together and just relax because they're they don't stick out that's great work 
you want to give a plug on where if people are interested in that charitable organization where they can find more information? Yeah, if you go to like, I think it's focus-georgia.org, um, you can, um, it's a 501c3, and I use my charitable account to donate money to it, and um, all the money goes for good um, work to, to help the kids. That's great stuff. And we'll put that uh, that link in the show notes for people that are listening that want more information. We'll put that in the show notes so they can find out more information. That's that's great stuff. Uh, from Scott Ballard, who's the uh, chairman of uh, Northside Anesthesiology Consultants. So what? how do you find – we're going to get back to this balance question, okay? So uh, this is not just a millennial thing. So how do you, how do you find balance? I mean, in, uh, the, the, you've got a very stressful role. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, ways that you get pulled, both administratively and medically. How do you uh, find balance in your life? Uh, what I tell people is, you know, everybody's got had challenges or have had a challenge in their life. I had a challenge in my life a while back, and I just had to compartmentalize. And so that's that's my word that I tell people. You know, when I'm at work, I do my work. If I need to address an issue, I separate it. I try not to let affect my work. And I'm with my family. I try to not let work affect my family. So I put things in silos, if you will. And, um, you know, I always, you can always tell if some people can't do that as well. And so that, you know, when, if you have kind of a disruptive behavior at work, sometimes I always wonder what's going on personally. And, um, but I tried to, when I had my, my experience, I tried to like just leave it at the door, go to work, be a doctor. When I left the hospital, deal with whatever. And so I think the best way to keep balanced is just to try to not let things interfere with each other. So how, how do you, I'm, I'm curious about this for myself. How do you do that? I mean, because that's easier, that's easy to talk about that, right, Scott? But it's, it's another question to, to put that philosophy into action. How do you do that? Is there a special way that you, when you hit that door, you become doctor and get those, get those things out of your mind? I don't know if there's a how to, <laughs> it was just something I made myself do. Hmm. I don't know if it's a God given thing or just, you know, just a mental thing, but I just, I, I just, for me, I couldn't let anything personally just interfere with my behavior. It wouldn't be fair to my patients. So I just left it at the door and then, you know, and I, I do bring things home from work when I, I can tell my wife about this experience I had, but I try not to let work, run our household because mm. it's not fair to her just like it's not fair to my patients if I let whatever's going on personally inter- distract me from taking care of them sounds like being present is part of the answer <laughs> whoever you're with um and I know that's like the uh uh, uh kind of uh, new uh, real fancy term to use these days or or a trendy term to use these days is being present with whoever you're with, but it sounds like that's what you're describing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So you've had a long run here with this practice and been very successful. Talk about maybe some of the highs that you've had and some of the lows and how how you've navigated those. So I got hired um, 
I was the resident at Emory, and I got hired. I think I got the offer like Christmas Eve of '93, and so I started um, July of '94. So this July will be 25 years. It's been a good run. I mean, you know, we got a great practice. We, when I joined the group, we had I was the 24th doctor, and we had about 40 employees. Northside's just exploded. We, you know, like I said, we'd be up to 75 docs, like so, it's basically triple the size, and like 180 or so employees. Um, I was on the board early on in the practice. Uh, we decided to start doing our own billing after about three or four years of me joining the practice, and, I, and then. Um, uh, then I've been on the board of late. Um, like I said, we joined with, with a corporate partner in December, and it's, uh, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful career. And um, and I think you know we'll continue to grow. I mean, Northside is a huge presence in the city, and we're we're all in. And so as they expand, we're going to expand. Well, and. But Northside is is only going to do business with the best, right? Because their reputation depends on it. So you have to keep sharp along the way. It's not just a matter of you just riding the coattails. I mean, you you have to execute, block, and tackle. And pardon the sports analogy, but you have to do all those things every day. Yeah. No, I'm. We um, like I said, I I meet with the CEO of the hospital once a month. Uh, we have a nice sit down meeting, and we kind of talk about growth and expansion so we're walking parallel to each other and um i think that we're i think that relationship is huge and i think the time investment is well worth worth it and so we kind of know what's what's what the vision is and so that we're able to keep track great stuff so scott you've been a Frazier and Dieter client for quite a while. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about how Frazier and Dieter has helped you get from there to here. Yeah, so I first um, met with Roger probably like my first year in the group. Yeah, you were a young guy. Yeah, yeah. I was young then, yeah. Not, you were too, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of my colleagues, I came to Frazier and Dieter. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I was a resident, so you know, I did my own taxes because I didn't make any money that had no investment so when i got to the group you know the older guy said you need to get an accountant you need to do your taxes whatever and so i they introduced me to roger and at the time we were downtown in, yeah. uh, mid, midtown and then um and so and then moved to alpharetta and now it's right down the street from where i live so it's <laughs> even better and so but rogers and fraser and has been wonderful to keep me on par with paying my taxes, not having to get in trouble and, um, and other investment advice. And so it's been a great partnership. Yeah. Well, we thank you for that. And we thank you for your group's great success. And we thank you for everything that Northside does for Cherokee and Forsyth and Fulton County. So thank thank you. you, Scott. Thank you. Okay, cool. So Scott, one more thing, though, before we let you go, we'd like to let anybody that would like more information on your practice, how do they be in touch? A good question. Phone um, number? Um, main, could, main phone number? Yeah, they call um, 
888-888-8917. That's our office number, and they can um, direct their question, and it'll get uh, forwarded to the right person. Yeah. Okay, cool. Scott Ballard, chairman of Northside Anesthesiology Consultants. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Folks, I want to remind you that this uh, inspiring story of business success that Scott has told is brought to you by Frazier & Dieter. And Frazier & Dieter is an award-winning national CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDieter.com. Roger. You did it again. Another great guest. I love these stories. Well, thank you, John. Thank, yeah. Thanks for having us, and uh, especially in your new suite here. So you like it? Good. good, good. Well, we'll let's do it again next month. All right. Cool. So, folks, uh, I'm John Ray along with Roger Dieter. Join us next time for another edition of Business Beat. 